Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Timonini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with two-time Tony nominee Brad Oscar, who is currently starring in the off-Broadway premiere of the Joe Iconis, Lance Rubin, and Jason Sweettooth Williams musical, Broadway Bounty Hunter. Of course, Brad earned his nominations for his roles as Franz Liebken and Ostradamus in The Producers and Something Rotten, respectively, but he has been seen on and off Broadway dozens of times in Jekyll and Hyde, Forbidden Broadway, Spam a Lot, Nice Work If You Can Get It, Big Fish, Sweeney Todd, numerous encores productions, and much, much more. In fact, I saw him playing Daddy Warbucks in Annie at the Theater of the Stars Productions in Atlanta back in 2012. In our chat, Brad talks about the fact that this is the first time in his career that he's ever really played a villain in a show. He also discusses the benefits of being on this side of a long career and his incredible two leading ladies, Annie Golden and Anne L. Nathan. Also, uh, on Twitter, Broadway Bounty Hunter producer Jennifer Ashley Tepper gave me some questions that she suggested that I might want to ask him. So if you follow us both there, Jen Ash Tepp and BWW Matt, you might recognize some of the topics that we get into. When I spoke with Brad earlier in the week, he'd had to push back our interview time for about 15 minutes because their rehearsal ran late, so you'll hear him mention that at the top of our chat. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Brad Oscar. Please, I apologize that I'm delayed, but, you know, we're still in rehearsal. It's been crazy. Oh, so, all yeah. right. I have no doubt. So <laughs> how, how has the preview process and all of the rehearsal stuff been going for you? It's been going pretty well. It's a really cool piece. It's um, unlike anything I've ever done before as far as that goes, so that's always fun. You <laughs> yeah. know, to do something different, to get to, you know, play and, 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 and sing in a different sort of way than I have. But also, you know, great in the way that, you know, we're just trying to make the show better, as you do. And we have a, you know, a fabulous creative team, a terrific director. And, um, yeah, and everybody's on the same page. I always think that's the hardest thing about putting on a musical, especially because it's such a collaborative effort between so many different people. You know, as opposed to a play where you just have the playwright, you know, and the, and the, all yeah. that springs from his imagination or whatever. And here you have, you know, several writers and, and then you have a creative team and, and, um, so the great part about this is everyone's like totally on the same page. So I feel like all the stuff we're doing, you know, we're all going in the same direction and it's been playing really well. You know, we've had a week of previews. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that this is something that is different than anything you've done before and you've done mm-hmm. a lot and we're, we're going to get to that. But <laughs> what, what separates us? What makes this unique from all of the different kinds of both plays and musicals you've done in the past? Well, the sort of genre that we're celebrating, that whole black exploitation, kung fu, early 70s, you know, grindhouse movie kind of thing, that's a whole style that um, I've never worked in that, that way before. <laughs> yeah. uh, the score is, you know, a very R&B, soulful kind of score. That's not what I'm used to singing, needless to say. I tend to, <laughs> you know, my stuff's always been a little more musical theater in that way. Um, playing a a villain, as this is pretty apparent, I think, from yeah. the start. And so that's always fun and delicious. Uh, and so, you know, I'm enjoying that because that's also a bit of a change of pace. And yeah. So yeah, it's always, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. It gets, it gets easier and harder, I think, as one gets older, you know, because <laughs> you, you know what your wheelhouse is, you know what you do, how you're hired, uh, how you're cast in that way. Um, but, you know, as actors, we want to think that we're all transformational and that we can do anything. Uh, so it is nice to have an opportunity sometimes to break out of 
that uh, usually this and usually that and do something different. Yeah, well, you mentioned the fact that you're playing a bad guy in this uh, in this show, a villain, so to speak, and you might not have a ton of experience doing that. But who is Mac Roundtree? We know kind of the the general outline that uh, yeah. the the show follows a down on her luck Broadway actress of right. a certain age who becomes a bounty yeah. hunter. Who? How does Mac Roundtree fit into this? Well, Mac Roundtree, as the lyric will tell you, is a real bad mother, drug pusher, and a pimp daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I like and that. And that's, yeah. And that's, yes, and that's an actual lyric. But yeah, uh, so that's who Mac Roundtree is. He's a real bad mother, drug pusher, and a pimp daddy. And when Annie eventually uh, uh, becomes the bounty hunter, which happens obviously rather early in the course of the piece, that is her first mission. I don't think I'm giving anything away to say that, yes, she then will come in contact with Mac. And then the rest is... Well, the rest you have to come see the show. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> and you talk about the fact that this is kind of riffing on the black exploitation films of the seventies. In mm-hmm. your character's name, mm-hmm. it would be hard not Correct. to make the connection between Mac Roundtree exactly. and Richard Roundtree, who obviously is probably most known as a as a right. hero. So that, I thought right. that was the first connection right. I made there. Yes. Yes. No, I think they just you know again the name the, the name itself evokes you know, a certain time, a certain style, a certain, you know, because Richard Roundtree was that guy for so long, represented, you know, that whole milieu, if you will. Um, yeah, so I think they just, you know, again, lifted the name to just sort of have fun with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you talked about the fact that as you get older, certain things might get a little bit easier because you know your uh, your lane a little bit more. But right. the, this whole right. show is built around the idea of, like I said a minute ago, an actress of a certain age, and you're starring right. not, not only opposite one uh, person in the bounty hunter role in Annie Golden, right. but also right. uh, Ann L. Nathan as as well. Correct. Through the course of all three of your careers, have you overlapped with them before? Have you worked with them before? And if so, where where might your paths have yeah, crossed? Yeah, well, I mean, this is a wonderful sort of reuniting with Ann L. Nathan, because I've known Ann L. Nathan since uh, we both were cast in the first national tour of Aspects of Love, which is my first Broadway show. I did the Broadway show in 1990, and then in 91, a national tour went out, which started up in Toronto in Canada, and that's where I met Anne. Uh, she was also cast in that production, so I've known Anne since... Yeah, since 1991, um, we have been friends, and we've done a reading or two together maybe since, you know how that is over the years, but yeah. we've never gotten to play together on stage again like this uh, since then. So that's a total joy, because, you know, one of the things I love about this business as I get older is being able to work with your friends and the people that you love and respect, and so uh, so that's that's great, because we have, again, we have this simpatico. We've known each other for so long. So um, it's, you know, very easy to be with her on stage as far as that goes. I've also had the joy of knowing Annie Golden for several, several years. Uh, I don't know exactly how long. I first really got to know Annie because I directed a Broadway by the Year concert at Town Hall. Hmm. You know, Scott Siegel's yeah. wonderful series at Town Hall. And I directed one, and I, I literally, I think this might have even been up to 10 years ago. I couldn't really tell you when. But Annie was a part of it. It was 1968, so she sang from Hair, which, of course, was very special. Obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've known her since then, and, and, you know, and I've always been a fan of hers, of course, because there's only one Annie Golden. <laughs> and, you know, and I've always been a fan. So, again, to get to play with her on stage is also, uh, yeah been really special yeah and it's interesting to me as you kind of look back through 
your career and you kind of, especially on the musical side of things, you've done a little bit of everything, but like you said, it does kind of hit more in the, the musical theater side, but the mm-hmm. range in which that musical, musical theater side mm-hmm. is, is, is quite large from things like uh, Jekyll and Hyde and even aspects of love right. and, and fan. Right. But then you've got um, some newer things uh, like something rotten and you, you know, did Sweeney Todd off Broadway mm-hmm. and then you yeah. throw oh, in yeah. some of the, uh, yeah. Like the encore stuff with Call Me Madam, and, right. and you did the of the of the I Sing thing. So yeah. Yeah. when you, yeah. when you transition from those things that are very different style to this more funky R and B type mm-hmm. of music, how do you prep yourself as an actor who's been a, you know a singing actor who's been singing a much different style for all of your career? How do you yeah. get into the world of that very different funky feeling of music? Well. I think there are a lot of answers to that question. I mean, you know, every story you tell is its own story. So, right, doing Sweeney Todd is different than doing something wrong. It's different than doing Big Fish. You know, in that way. So I always look at it as, I mean, you know, who am I? What am I doing? What world am I inhabiting? And then all of the clues that that gives you, of course, you're you're collaborating with a director and you're collaborating with the other creators. Um, so I can't say that I feel like, even though yes, this is a different style, a different milieu. It's not like um, it's not like suddenly Brad Oscar, the actor, has is a whole new. You know, it's another part of myself, I guess, that I sort of find. But I'll be honest with you, instinctually, I just try to find in my gut, like, okay, what's what's my take? Who, if they get they gave me this role, so obviously they see me in the role. So it's not my job to question that because sometimes I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. You want? I mean, I'll never forget when Molly Smith, the artistic director at Arena Stage, uh, where I did a production of Damn Yankees in 2005, which mm-hmm. was very special, not only because I got to go back to my hometown of D.C. for the first time and work professionally, but I met my husband in that production, who oh, was wow. also a D.C. native. And so, yeah, so that uh, – but anyway, the following year, Molly said, would you like to come down and play the MC in Cabaret? Oh. And I just, I had never, that was never something I ever thought I would play or even wanted to in a way. And I had to really think about it. And I had to literally ask Molly, why, why, what do you, why do you want me to play? You know, what is it that you see? Because I couldn't see it because in my mind, of course, we associate certainly iconic roles like that with the performances we've seen and with the whatever. And and it was so something else that I couldn't envision it. Well, anyway, Molly talked to me about why her, in her vision, um, and then I ended up actually doing some great research, going to this fabulous Dada exhibit in D.C. at the time, seeing a painting by the artist George Gross, who did a lot of paintings, uh, who was a, a famous artist in that window of time prior to World War II. And I saw this picture he painted of this guy sitting in a club. And I looked at that guy in the club and I was like, oh, my God, that's that's me. That's my MC. That's the guy. And that, and that's never, I mean, that's something that sounds so sort of artsy fartsy to me, but I'm telling you, I saw that picture, I saw that guy, and I was like, oh, that's me as the MC in this period of our, you know, of history in that particular, you know, piece and blah, blah, blah. So it did take someone getting me out of my comfort zone or getting me out of my, like, what I see. And it taught me a big lesson, which is, again, when presented with an opportunity, you know, unless it's something I don't want to do or something that in some way I'm like, no, 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 I don't even want to tackle that, whatever that might be. I don't know. Hasn't really come upon me yet. But um, I've learned to just sort of, yeah, throw myself into it, bring all of myself to the table, what my ideas are, who is this guy as channeled for me, and then ideally work with my collaborators to make sure that we're all on the same page, as I said, make sure that it is in the right style, make sure that it has the right bite or whatever that might be, you know, 
But, um, but I've tried not, you know, again, not to doubt myself, not to question, not to judge all those things that, you know, I still do. Believe me, I can talk a great game. <laughs> I'm still, you know, I'm still in my head. I still sometimes those, those demons pop up and you have to sort of squelch them or find a way to say, no, 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 I'm busy now. I'm doing this. I'm committing to it and I believe in it and I trust it and I'm not going to let all the other outside influences, you know, so, you know, it's, please, you know, we're complicated beasts, aren't we? Because it's so self, you know, everything we do is so self-involved in a way. And I mean that in a, not like in an egotistical look at me kind of way, but it's all, you know, we're yeah. pulling from all those parts of ourselves. And, and yes, it can, it can make one rather vulnerable and, and exposed in a way. Um, but ideally, the best art, the best performances come when, you know, you can break through that and, and share as much of that. Have you had to do anything different um, from a vocal style perspective? If you've gone through all this work to kind of embody Mm -hmm. the character, have you had to do something Mm -hmm. different because the music is Mm -hmm. so different from what you're used to? A little bit. I mean, yes, a little bit in the way I, yeah, the way I'm hooking certain notes or the way it's, yes, a bit. You know, I'm also still finding it in my voice yeah. because you know again once you st- uh, until you start to do something eight times a week you know rehearsal is one thing but doing something eight times a week is a whole other game and that's when the body tells you this is working and this isn't working or you can't do this eight times a week you know if that's the case and so no i was very believe me I, we were all happy to get through eight shows last week <laughs> to navigate and and everybody thank god came out just fine vocally physically all that stuff but you know you don't know until you're actually doing it you know, in the heat of the moment. Um, but yeah. And again, I hope that all the training I've had over the years, you know, uh, uh, sticks, sticks with me and sticks by me. And so that I'm not doing, you know, I know when I'm doing something that like, okay, I can't do that. You know, technically, physically, that's not going to be healthy for my voice or, you know, if it's a physical move or a body thing or whatever. Yeah. So as, as you've gone through this and kind of have worked to determine who your character is as, as a person and then how you mm-hmm. figure out the, the voice of that. Is there someone, like you said, this, this whole style is based on a, a certain era of film. Is there a person or a character that you've modeled your version of, of Mac Roundtree mm, around? No, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, I would say it's my take on who this guy is, but no, in this case, um, no, I can't say I've looked outside, uh, you know, other than, uh, again, I don't want to give too much away about sure, sure, play, sure. you know, but again, other than, yes, whatever that style might be, whatever those guys represented and all of that stuff, you know, yes, I'm playing that role, so it has a certain, uh, you know, requirement, but no, I can't say that I'm like, you know, this is just like Brando in blah, blah, no. <laughs> well, if, if, it's, if it's more the style, are there, if, if people are going to come see... Uh, Broadway bounty hunter and might be younger people because obviously Joe Iconis has a a, mm-hmm. a bit of a oh, younger God, fan base. Of course, of course. Are there any films that people should watch from this era to prep themselves for what they're going to see to maybe understand the world that they're going to live in with Broadway bounty no, hunter a little better? No, no, no. Because to be honest with you, I don't think that the the world we're inhabiting is so. Um, uh, what's the word I want? I mean, yes, it's a certain style. Yes, it's a certain style of music. Yes, it's a certain like you know funk, if you will. But but the story, for all intents and purposes, takes place today. Yeah. So you know, it's not a period piece in that way. It's just the way we're telling the story. And um, no, please, you give people a good score and a good story. Uh, it doesn't matter 
what it is or when it is, you know what I mean? They're going to come to you. Yeah. They're going to respond because you've given them something of, of, of quality and worth. And, um, no, the kids are, I mean, you know, again, it's a great score. I think Joe's written a wonderful score. Uh, and uh, you could, yeah, you can just feel the audience getting into it with us and grooving. And, um, yeah, and I just think that's a, a slightly more of a universal thing. Anyway, it's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned Joe writing a, a great score. And, and through the course of your career, and, and especially over the last 10 years or so, you've worked with uh, a lot of different I don't want to say up and coming, but, uh -huh. you know, earlier in their uh -huh. career, uh, uh -huh. uh, composers with, with Joe and, and, and Andrew Lippa and even uh -huh. the Kirkpatrick brothers and everybody uh -huh. something rotten, they were, you know, yeah. obviously had a career of their own, but, uh, yeah. as you see kind of these new voices come in to the musical theater world, is, is there anything that, you know, kind of excites you or stands out as what you're looking forward to this next generation of folks that comes through? Um, well, you know, I think because I am in so many ways a traditionalist as far as musical theater goes, and I mean that in this sort of just a broad sense yeah. of the kind of theater that I gravitated towards and the musicals that still often speak to me, um, when when this next generation, as we say in quotes, and I've lived through two next generations, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I remember back in the day when Michael John Lacusa and Adam yeah. Gettle, and that was the new guard, and they were going to revolutionize musical theater in their own way. And, and what they did was they just added to the beautiful, they just added some wonderful, you know, but it's just an additional way of telling a story. So I think ever since we've gravitated more toward um, uh, well, I don't know what we want to call them, but you know, Evan Hansen and, and these yeah. shows that are more whatever, pop rock or whatever. As long as you're writing for character, as long as there's an emotional through line, you know, I don't think it matters what the, you know, what kind of music it is or uh, what style it is, as long as it fulfills those requirements. It's like when we have to sit through these jukebox musicals, it's like when we have to sit through this shit that was not meant to tell a story, <laughs> you know, or you, you have uh, composers and lyricists that ultimately can't do that because they can just write in a certain vein, I guess. But we are fortunate to have a crop now, I think, of, of talent, the, you know, these guys that understand what it means to tell a story with music and yet can still write you a great pop song or a rap song or a rock song or whatever it might be, you know? And so it doesn't sound like Sondheim or Kander and Ebb or, you know, Michael Corey and those, you know, which I, uh, again, I think their stuff, you know, a score like War Paint, I think is, is, I think that's an extraordinary score. The fact that that wasn't nominated for a Tony that year. I mean, you listen to that score lyrically, musically, it's so dense. It's so smart. That's the kind of show I, you know, I love. By the same token, my God, I was so turned on by Evan Hansen and so moved <laughs> by that and, and love that score in its own way. So, you know, I just think it's about, at the end of the day, does it, does it do the job, you know? Yeah. And, um, and we're fortunate again, yes, that we have a posse that gets that. And I think Joe Iconis and uh, he, he understands. He's got a, a respect for, you know, I think there, you do need a certain sort of respect for the way stories have been told. And then, and then of course, create your own, go from there. But, um, I don't think you can just smash the model and say, no, we're going to do it this way. It has nothing to do with, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll wrap it up because I know you've had a long day and it's, you've got, I think you got a show tonight too. Um, but oh, yes. as we said at the beginning, this show, there's some heavy hitting veterans in this show, but you've also got some fairly young 
people not only yeah. just young in their career. I think there's even a cast member yeah. who's still in college. Um, yeah. yeah. As you see not only these new writers who are writing some music that appeals to younger audiences, like we talked about with Joe and, and be more chill and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but you're seeing it also bringing in this young group of actors between you and Anne and Annie and some of the other veterans in the show. Are you able to kind of take these people under the wings and show them what it means to do this job for obviously as long as all of you guys have and what it takes to be successful? Well, look, you know, unless we're specifically solicited or asked or whatever, I, I hope we just show by example. I mean, yeah. I think that's how you show, really, you know, in that respect. I'm not going to I'm not going to admonish them. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> tell them, OK, no. you know, it, they just call places. Get your ass up there, whatever. No, that you know, whatever. But but no, uh, first of all, we have a great group of people and it is wonderful that it is so diverse in every way, age wise, yeah. ethnicity, everything, uh, especially for the story that we are telling. Um, but no, I just, you know what, I hope I lead by example in that respect, because I have learned a lot in this business. And I do know that to me, one of the most important things about what we do is how you work with other people and how you are in the room and at the table and all that stuff, because we're all there to do one thing. We all come together, not just a performer, everybody, stage manager, da, 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 you know, everybody's coming together to try yeah. to do one thing. And you are a part of that, but it's not all about you. It never is all about you. And, uh, but it is, it, it you 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 carry as much weight as the next guy to bring yourself to the to the table as far as that goes and uh yeah and and contribute and so yeah i hope uh, again by example um that uh yeah yeah, yeah. thank you <laughs> no that's perfect well and and yeah. to to leave you on this question i would imagine that Annie Golden is is obviously one who is also going to be lead by example but it is such a weird situation where she is essentially playing uh, a very fictionalized version of herself yeah. uh, in this yeah. show. Can you just give folks a little bit of an idea as to what they are in for from her in this performance? Because as you said, there is only one Annie Golden, uh, and this yeah. is such a unique yeah. role that was tailored yeah. perfectly for her. Well, I mean, look, what performer would not want a piece written for that? I mean, she yeah. inspired these writers so much working with them on a prior project that they were like, we want to write a show for Annie. And, you know, so indeed, they have. And so it's uh, in so much, yes, it's a celebration of Annie Golden, but at the end of the day, we want people to we want people to do Broadway Bounty Hunter, right, for years to come, ideally. So yeah. Annie's not going to be able to star in every production, unfortunately. <laughs> but but um, but what I think they've done, again, is like with her as their center and as their muse, uh, they have written this fabulous show that really speaks to, uh, you know, women of a certain age, who deal with so much bullshit in our society and especially in a time when we're really coming head to head with that and acknowledging that and hopefully making some changes. Um, I think that, you know, you're going to see, first of all, you're going to see Annie Golden. That's you're going to see, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Annie's ever done anything on stage that would showcase her better or be hmm. more of, you know, a tribute and, and a, just a wonderful awesome. showcase for all that she is and all that she can do. Uh, so as far as that goes, man, it's great. But then, you know, I think more importantly in the big, in the bigger picture, um, that we have a, a show that's very important for this moment right now, a show that, um, you know, says a lot about what is happening in the world, takes it and again, uh, funnels it into a very entertaining and very funny and clever and really well designed piece of theater. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Tamanini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt, and you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for Broadway Bounty Hunter in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to the legendary Brad Oscar, Maggie Trabuco, Jennifer Ashley Tepper, and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, love changes everything. Always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. <laughs>